Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today's reading is from the book of Romans. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of your God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will repay each person according to his deeds. Kale, thank you so much for doing our reading today. Appreciate that. So good. So good. Will you join with me as we pray and ask God's Spirit to be our teacher today? Lord, you are a God of love. You are love. And your love is unconditional. Your love is infinite. It has no boundaries. It's eternal. It will never end. And we're grateful that you showed your love with a great sacrifice, the greatest of sacrifices, that you gave your son, Jesus, to die for us. And Lord, you have called us to love like you love. We realize we can't do that without the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living through us. And so we pray for that. Lord, in the midst of a world that is in crisis, we pray that within our hearts we will be at peace and we will be filled with your love, and we will be able to express that peace, that love to other people around us. Lord, help us to draw people to you by the way we love them. Lord, we're mindful of those who are going through especially difficult times right now, and we lift them up to you and, and pray that you'd minister to them, and minister to them through us, that we may be part of the solution to helping people who are experiencing their own crises. Lord, as we look in your word now, we ask that the Holy Spirit would fill each of us so we can hear well, and I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can speak well for the glory of Christ. We ask all these things in his loving, wonderful name, that name Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome today to today's game show, Fun with Words, your host, Pastor Perry Alexander. So, your job is to correctly come up with a word that best describes another word that I'm going to give you in a moment, or a phrase. Now, you can jot this down in your outline. You can just keep it in your mind. Or if you're listening online, you can shout it out loud. But if you're in the room, keep it to yourself. Here we go. You ready? What is another word for the word patience? Another word for the word patience. You can jot it down, keep it in your mind. You watch it online. You can shout it out, of course. Another word for the word patience. Okay, I forgot to tell you. It can only have four letters, by the way. Only four letters. Okay, time's up. Next question. What is another word for the word kind? Another word for the word kind. Okay. Oh, and it can only have four letters also. Did I forget to tell you that? The clock is ticking. Time is up. Okay, now, for the last and most challenging of the three questions, what is a four-letter word that means to keep no record of wrongs, to not dishonor others, 
and to not be easily angered. Go. Stop. <laughs> okay, let's check your answers. Number one, a four-letter word for the word patience is L-O-V-E, love. A four-letter word for kind is L-O-V-E, love. And a four-letter word that means that you keep no record of wrongs, you don't dishonor others, and you're not easily angered is the four-letter word? Love. love. Yes, we lit the candle of love. That was supposed to be a hint for you. Today, as we come to the fourth Sunday of Advent, we come to the theme of L-O-V-E, love. And we're going to continue in our series. In fact, we're finishing up our series, A World in Crisis. And today's message is entitled, A World in Crisis, Love Needed Here. A World in Crisis, Love Needed Here. God describes what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord describes love as being patient, as being kind. And we're going to focus on that part of love today. It's patient, it's kind. He also tells us that love is not envious, it's not boastful, it's not proud. Love doesn't dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, the Lord says. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. It does, not, it does by the way, rejoice in truth. It's protecting, it's trusting, it's hoping, and it's persevering. All those things are summarized by the four-letter word love, L-O-V-E. This past week while working out, I was listening to a podcast of a message that was preached at the chapel of my alma mater, Dallas Theological Seminary. And the speaker was so engaging and so insightful, I had to keep stopping my workout and pausing and writing things down. So it wasn't the best thing to listen to while working out. But the speaker was theologically trained at Dallas Seminary and gave one of the best messages that I'd heard on the podcast. The speaker is presently also a co-host of a radio talk show in Dallas, Texas on KCBI, in case you want to listen to it. And the speaker was a woman by the name of Rebecca Carroll. And I find the fact that it was a woman who was preaching at Dallas Seminary in their chapel pleasantly ironic, since it was Dallas Seminary that started the trend to prohibit women from preaching and teaching in our churches. And they might have done it inadvertently, but back in 1924, when Lewis Sperry Chafer founded Dallas Theological Seminary, he wanted to start a graduate theological school for men who were going to become pastors. Up until that time, women were part of Moody Bible Institute with men, and they would travel with Dwight Moody and preach with him and, and evangelize. A.B. Simpson, who founded our denomination, who uh, back in the 1800s, late 1800s, he had women that would preach with him and do evangelism with him. And women were part of what was going on in the church, outside the church and preaching, and in Bible college. But when Dallas Seminary was founded, they excluded women from their training. And that started a trend for the next half a century where women were not allowed in certain conservative churches to be behind the pulpit or to teach men. Well, Rebecca Carroll not only preached in Dallas Theological Seminary's 
chapel behind the pulpit, but she also now is enrolled in their Master of Theology program, which used to be only strictly for men. In fact, when I attended Dallas Seminary, it was only for women that they could take the degree that now uh, Rebecca is pursuing. But that's not my main point. My point in mentioning this erudite woman is because I want to quote from her an amazing story and powerful and convicting statement that she made in reference to Christian missionaries' first contact with some unreached Indian tribe in Venezuela, the Yanamamo people. And the Yanamamo people are spiritists. They worship spirits. We would call them demons. And they have shamans, and the shamans would take drugs and sniff them up their nose, and then they'd go and have this spiritual experience with demons where they would travel through time and travel through geography and be able to see and know things otherwise they wouldn't know. And the missionaries who were called Nabas by the Yanomamo people, these missionaries, the Nabas, introduced to these tribal people a new spirit, the true spirit, God. And they introduced to them a spirit who is loving and is kind. And they thought this was wonderful because their spirits were evil. Their spirits caused them to do evil things. Their spirits enabled them to murder other tribes, to rape the women, to steal from others. And so now they're being introduced to a spirit who is kind. And the Yanomamo people noticed that these Nabas, these missionaries, had things that they didn't have and they could use. In fact, the missionaries had clothes and the Yanomamo people did not wear clothes. And they thought, wow, what, what an idea, with clothes. And the missionaries had tools. They had fishing lines and fish hooks, which the Yanomamo people did not have. And they thought, oh, those are good things to have. And the missionaries, the Nabas, had pots and pans to cook their food. And, and the Yanomamo people thought that was great, too. Now, at this point, I'd like to quote uh, Rebecca Carroll, who's quoting from the book, which is entitled Spirit of the Rainforest, and at this point I had to stop my workout and get a piece of paper and a pen and, and pause and write these things down. It says in the book, every night for many moons, two of the Indians named Spear and Shoefoot, unusual names, Spear and Shoefoot, had the same talk. They both wanted this new spirit. Everything they say about him is so wonderful, Shoefoot remarked. Do you really think a spirit could be so wonderful? No, Spear replied. No, I don't either. They talk about love and about being kind and so many things that seem so nice. If the Nabas, the missionaries, if the Nabas spirit cares so much about us, Spear asked, then why don't the Nabas care about us? If this spirit wants our life to be better, why don't they, the Nabas? Have you wondered that? Shufut answered, it's the only thing I ever wondered. They never share anything with us. My boy asked them for a hook and fish line, and they wouldn't share with him. And they never share the meat they get with their guns, even when we help them to get it. The two Indians sat in silence for a while, thinking. 
You see, generosity is one of the highest ideals amongst the Yanomamo people. When a hunter makes a kill, he then distributes the food from the kill to everyone else in his village. And he doesn't get to eat any of it. Because he knows he will get to eat when someone else makes a kill and shares with him. So to withhold generosity from the Yanomamo people is the highest insult one could make. Shoefoot and Spear noted that these Nabas don't do what they say their spirit does. They say that he's generous, but they're not. They say he's kind, but they're not. So Spear and Shoefoot decided to keep the spirits they had and to reject the Nabas' spirit even though he sounded so wonderful to them. And now for the powerful question that Rebecca Carroll posed to her listeners, and I now pose to you. If you're taking notes, they're available as you came in on a piece of paper. They're available online. We come to this question. Are you who you say he is? Are you who you say he is? He referring to Jesus. I love the way that Rebecca Carroll put that, and it's a soul-shaking question, and I was so convicted by it, I wanted you to share in my conviction. (laughs) Are you who you say he is? The Bible tells us very succinctly in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. And then in Romans 5, 8, it tells us how God demonstrates that love to us. And it says in Romans 5, 8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were sinners, enemies of God, separated from God, Christ died for us. To a God of love, no sacrifice is too great, even for those who hate him, for are his enemies. He demonstrates love to them. So we come back to the question, are you who you say he is? Do you, do I, do we show sacrificial love to people who are different than us, who dislike us, who maybe even hate us and consider us their enemies? Are you who you say he is? God's love is patient. God's love is kind. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, notice what it says about God's love. Romans 2, 4 or you do, do you think lightly of the riches of his, and notice the word, his kindness and tolerance and patience. Love is kind. Love is patient. Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. What is it that leads people to repent, to have a change of mind, to turn around and to accept this God of love? Well, it's his kindness, the Bible tells us, that causes people to change their mind about him. It's the kindness of God that gets people to turn from their evil ways. But how does God show people kindness? He doesn't just drop buckets of kindness out of the sky. It's not found behind bushes. It's found in you and in me. 
And that is how God shows kindness to the world. It's through you and it's through me. And that kindness is to lead them to change their ways, to repent and come to know Jesus. The question is, are you who you say he is? He is kindness. And he shows his kindness to others through you. Which brings us to the answer. Next thing on your outline, the answer, it is the kindness of God as demonstrated by you. The kindness of God is demonstrated by you that leads people to Jesus. So are you who you say he is? One of, if not the greatest tragedies of the current political debates that have been going on is a complete loss of kindness. Not just among politicians, which sadly we've come to expect, but amongst individuals, neighbors, Friends, family members, churchgoers, the lack of kindness in the discussions that are going on right now. Our world is in crisis, but the crisis that we're in right now is not primarily because of a COVID pandemic. The crisis that we're in right now is a crisis of character. It's a crisis of character. People being unkind to one another has reached pandemic proportions. And it's true among Christians as much as it's true among non-Christians. No one is going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because of your outspoken position about the U.S. presidential election. No one is going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because of your position on alleged mass voter fraud. No one is going to come to know Jesus as a Savior because of your view and very strong view about wearing masks. And no one is going to come to know Jesus Christ because of your heated view about a COVID-19 vaccine. People are not going to come to Christ because of your opinionated and sometimes angry Instagram post, your Facebook post, your Twitter account, or the fact that you send them repeatedly links to YouTube on some conspiracy. That's not how people come to know Jesus. And our task as a church is to draw people to Jesus through the kindness of God. The Bible tells us it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And the way people see kindness, it doesn't just rain out of the sky. It's seen in you, and it's seen in me. And the Yanomamo people rejected the kindness of God because it wasn't seen in the people that claim to be his people. And if you're convicted right now, you're just getting to share my conviction. And I'm sharing it with you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God. You and I are to imitate the kindness and love of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. You are to be who you say he is. People who don't have a Bible and can't read like the Yanomamo people 
And people who don't believe the Bible, like your neighbor who voted for the wrong person, should be experiencing God's love and kindness through you and through me. That's how they get to know who he is. So let's repeat the question again. Are you who you say he is? And let's repeat the answer. It is the kindness of God, as demonstrated by you, that leads people to Jesus. Catherine was born in Siena, Italy, in 1348. The same year that a flea off a rat off a ship that ported in the Italian port of Messina brought forth the world's worst ever plague on the earth. Catherine, by the way, was number 23 out of 25 children born to a Sienese wool dyer. Well, this plague hit, and for three years, from 1348 to 1350, more than one-third of the European population died from the plague. We're not sure how big the population is, so estimates are between 20 and 40 million people dying of the plague. To put this in some perspective, I looked up, and according to latest statistics, 1.68 million people have died, allegedly, around the world of COVID. 1.68. We're talking 20 to 40 million people that died of the plague just in its first phase. Its first phase, first three years. One out of three people. So look around you. Every third person would be dead. This was called the Black Plague. Scientifically, it's called the bubonic plague. The disease was so fatal that you would go to bed healthy and you'd be dead in the morning. Doctors who were treating their patients often would die before the patient. Rather than encouraging mutual aid, the plague's deadliness drove people apart from one another. Priests refused to meet with their congregants to hear their confessions. Magistrates refused to meet with people so they could write their wills. There was a document written at that time called the Decameron, which is Greek for 10 days, and the author writes this, who was alive during this time. He said, one man shunned another. Kinsfolk held aloof. Brother was forsaken by brother, oftentimes husband by wife. Nay, what is more and scarcely to be believed, Fathers and mothers were found to abandon their own children to their fate, untended, unvisited, as if their children were strangers. Catherine, as I said, was born the year the plague began. She survived that first phase, only to experience the third outbreak of the plague that struck her hometown in 1374 when she was 26 years old. It took the life of two of her siblings. Most people fled her hometown. But Catherine, who loved the Lord Jesus Christ, stayed. She stayed and went door to door, nursing the sick and burying the dead, showing the kindness of God. Catherine died seven years later at the age of 33. But her memory lives on, and she's known today because 
of her political stance on the pandemic. No. She lives through history because of her love and her kindness toward others. The Catholic and Orthodox churches have canonized her, made her a saint or called her a saint, St. Catherine of Siena, who is known for loving others like Jesus loves others. And that's what a world in crisis needs, the kindness, the love of Jesus Christ as shown through you and through me. Would you pray with me? And I'd like to ask you to bow your heads even if you're watching online today so you can have a private moment with the Lord. I first need to ask you, do you know this Jesus? And be ashamed to be here or be listening online and to turn away from him like the Yanomamo people did. He loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you, loving you bestowing on you everything that's good. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, which he did, if you believe that he rose from the grave and conquered de death, which he did, and you've never received him as your Savior, I invite you to cry out to him now and just say, Lord, I believe. Please save me. Come into my life. And he will. Lord, you have called us to walk in love, you have called us to be imitators of you. You have called us to be kind in order to lead to the repentance of those around us. And you have given us the Holy Spirit to fill us that we might have his fruit, which is love. So fill us now, Lord, and help us to live out what you've called us to do. Help us to be kind. And we ask all these things in the kind name of Jesus Christ. Amen.